Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many, many blessings you've already poured upon us all throughout this day. And now the awesome opportunity to be in your house and to get into your word. Help us now as we do that. We pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Ask anything in my name is what the Lord says. We've got to know that the Lord doesn't force us to have a relationship with Him. He doesn't force us to have the, the blessings come upon us. Yes, by grace, He gives us a lot of stuff that we don't deserve, that we don't ask for. But He wants us to ask. Because in our asking the Lord, it shows that we have faith that He can give us what we're asking Him. And he wants us to come to Him. Even where He speaks of that He will answer the door. If you knock, He will answer. He wants you to come and knock so that He may answer. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, reads, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. He's instructed us to do that. He's telling us to do that all through here, all through the Word of God. Over and over we see that. Because He wants us to come to Him, He's drawing us in. The Holy Ghost is doing a work. He's calling people in, but we have to respond. It's like the gift of salvation. It is a gift that you must reach out and receive, take it in, open it up, and apply it. It takes action. It takes you doing something not just waiting for it all to be done for you or to you. Just like in relationship with other people. If you want someone to do something for you, you ask them to. You don't expect them to read your mind and know that you want them to do something for you and to get mad because they didn't do it when they didn't even know you wanted it done. You must ask. That's what the Lord teaches us. In Matthew chapter 20, we see some good verses here concerning this in chapter 20 and verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, and cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And Jesus knew exactly what the situation was. He knows everything. He knows everyone's existence. Every molecule is within us is within His power. He knows it all. But He asked them that question so they would respond. They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. So he wanted them to step up and ask. In Mark chapter 10, we see this account recorded in the, the Gospel of Mark, in verse 46. And he came to Jericho, and as he went out, of Jericho, which with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Martimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. 
And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Once again, the Lord knew exactly what needed to be done, but he wanted to ask him, What do you want? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. His faith, his faith that Jesus could do what he was asking him to do. So that was what he was displaying there. In his trust that the Lord could do that, in his faith, his confidence was displayed in his asking. In John chapter 14, picking it up in verse 12, it reads the words of the Lord here, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments. If we keep his commandments, which we go over and over and over, because they are so perfect and because they are so prominent, and should be displayed in our lives at all times. We'll look at those again in Matthew chapter 22, the two great ones that he emphasized. Chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So if we keep His commandments, but I dare say I don't know anyone that truly keeps those two commandments to the fullest, that all of your existence you love God, all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, total focus on serving the Lord and being in His perfect will. I don't know anyone that does that. I can't say that I even do that myself all the time. Occasionally we all do that. Yes, we rise to the occasion and we are in the perfect will and we're doing it. But then suddenly something else might distract us. Something else might pull us away. It might be some anger. It might be some unforgiveness that we have for someone or some behavior that we're doing we shouldn't be doing or something we lack to do, but we'll fall away. So we're not constantly in the perfect will of the Lord. If we can ever focus ourselves so well, so purely on fulfilling that first and great commandment, then the words that we read in chapter 14 of John would truly apply. Where it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever he shall ask in my name, 
that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Anything in his name. If you had this kind of perfect relationship with the Lord, then you could go into a hospital and pray for people and heal everybody in there. That would be great works. No one's been able to achieve that. But that should be our goal, to get as close to that as possible, to achieve that. Moments of it, yes, we have moments here and there where we peak and we have perfect understanding of the will of the Lord in our lives and we fulfill that, but then something might happen. One of the things, like you pointed out here, is where's the glory going? In verse 13 there again, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may have historical events that have taken place since the Lord spoke these words about people rising up, even the apostles, doing some great works, but then maybe falling away, maybe doing something they shouldn't have done. Then things come upon them. Then other things happen, and they weren't at that peak. In recent years and so forth, and the histories of mankind, Pastors or preachers that have risen up and great works being done and then suddenly they fade out or they disappear or they're gone or they don't have it anymore. Rising and falling. But if we stay at that peak, if we stay in that perfect will of the Lord, we can fulfill these things. Verse 14 again, If, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That should be all of our goals, to reach such a perfect relationship with the Lord that whatever you pray for, it happens that the Father may be glorified, not that we may be glorified, which I dare say has been the problem in the past with people that have reached a point where they could pray for something and it occur, and then they start taking the glory for it. Yes, I am so close with the Lord. Come to me when I pray for you. This will happen. Taking the glory for it, and then it fizzles out. Shouldn't do it. Got to be careful to always give all the honor, all the glory to the Lord, not to ourselves, none of it to ourselves. Because we can do nothing, not even take a single breath without it being a blessing from the Lord. We've got to stay attached. We've got to stay, stay tied in, just like plants that grow. He gave us that awesome example of when he's teaching us here in John chapter 15 about him being a vine. We need to be connected to that, always connected to that. You cut loose from that, you're going to wither and die. In chapter 15 of John reads, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. This purging is talking about pruning, clipping, cutting away. There are things in our lives, there are behaviors, there are distractions that need to be cut away. So that we can be in the perfect will of the Lord. So we can be doing the work that He wants us to do all the time. Not just on particular days or particular events, but all the time. Because bearing the fruit is the fruit of the Holy Ghost. We need to bear that. And that is for someone else's benefit. A big part of that. Verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. He's telling us, stay connected. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. See, when we start pulling away, start thinking that we can stand on our own, not be connected to the vine, then you're going to wither and die. 
I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing, nothing whatsoever. We cannot even exist. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the lake, excuse me, into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. There again, these are the words of God. These are true. They're accurate. And he clearly says, if we are abiding in him fully and totally and completely with all of our existence, and we ask something, he's going to do it. It's going to be done. Verse 7 again, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you. What are his words? His commandments that we read earlier. All of his guidelines that he's given us. All the teaching that we can find in the word of God. If they abide in us, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. Once again, emphasizing the glory goes to the Lord, not to us. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. His disciples. Not standing on our own, being our own disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Those two great ones that we just read earlier. To basically love God with all your existence and to love others as yourself. If we can truly do that, these things apply to us. Verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. When we reach the right level of love for God and love for others, we are going to be filled with the joy of the Lord, which is way beyond any joyfulness that this world could ever provide us or that we could provide ourselves. The joy that can come from the Lord, that can overflow from us and all those around us. When we are in the perfect will of the Lord, when we are abiding by His commandments. Verse 12, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That kind of love, and he describes it here, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So he's given us that example of True love. Is there anyone on the planet that you would step up and die for? He gave us that example. That when you have that true love, that, to be able to say that, yes, I would lay down my life for you. That's the kind of love he wants us to have. Verse 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We see this theme over and over and over. Ask, ask, ask. You have to ask for it. Don't expect to get it unless you ask for it. 
Verse 17, These things I command you that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. We clearly see the hatred that the world has for the Christians and it's on the increase and will continue to be on the increase. But when we have the kind of love that we're supposed to have for each other, we're going to come together as one in the Lord. And we're going to come together solid, as concrete, even harder than concrete. Not like a handful of gravel that's just falling apart, but comes together solid and be able to be the rock that we need to be. And be able to stand on the correct rock, which is Jesus Christ. He wants us to be like Him. Therefore, we need to come together solid as a rock. And to always have that kind of love. The love for each other and the love for God. When we truly have that to the right degree, then whatsoever we ask, we're going to receive it. If we need some healing, if we need some blessing, if we need some prosperity, if we need whatever it is, if we ask... But emphasizing, you have to ask. You've got to ask for it. Over in Philippians chapter 4, some guidelines here that Paul is giving to the church of Philippi on how Christians are supposed to behave. And within this, we see, picking it up in chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. We just began our study in Sunday school on the book of Job and the horrible things that Job's going through. But here he's telling us, just like Job was supposed to do, is to rejoice in that. Rejoice even when things are not going your way. Rejoice in that. Because there are lessons to learn through all the sufferings that we go through. There are areas that we can grow and help others in our sufferings, in our hardships, that can benefit everyone if we truly recognize what it is. We got to examine ourselves, yes, just like all through the Psalms and the Proverbs is talking about how we need to ask the Lord to examine us, look at us closely. Is there something in my life that I need to improve upon? If there is, then improve upon it. Is there something going on in my life, such as a hardship, that is there for an opportunity to grow and to help others, then help me realize that and recognize that and utilize it to the fullest. Because there are going to be hardships. There are going to be hard times. There are going to be challenges that we all face. But even in the midst of those worst challenges, those worst hardships, those health problems or financial problems or, or relationship problems, there's still doors of opportunity there to bring a blessing to you and those around you and to praise to the Lord. So rejoice in that. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Your testimony to everyone that you can rejoice and praise the Lord even in the hardest of times. Be careful for nothing. That means don't be overly concerned when things come upon you. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. The Lord already knows what you need before you ask for it. He knows every hair that's in your head, every cell that you're made up of. He knows what it is, where it is, how it is. He spoke it into existence after all. We're not to be worried about anything. Rejoice in everything. But as it says, in everything by prayer. Prayer is a communication with the Lord. We are to stay 
in connection with the Lord. You wake up in the morning, you say, good morning, Lord. Thank you for another day of opportunity to serve you. What do you want me to do today? And you continue to talk to Him all throughout the day, asking Him to guide you, protect you, lead you, give you the revelation of what you need to do. And He says, by prayer and supplication... The word supplication means to list all the various things that you need or want. And then it says, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. You be thankful for what you have. Even the challenges that you're going through, because those challenges can bring opportunities to bless others and bring you closer to the Lord. Let your requests be made known unto God. He already knows them, of course, but He wants you to bring them up, to let Him know, because in doing so, you are showing your trust and your faith that He can benefit you, help you, assist you, answer your prayers. And what happens when you really have this right kind of relationship and this communication with the Lord? Verse 7 kicks in, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that's where that joyfulness comes in. When you are truly at peace, even in the midst of the hardest challenges, even in the midst of the moments before you pass away, if you're truly at peace, if you're truly prayed up, joyfulness will come upon you. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, it's beyond what we can even understand or comprehend, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Not only our hearts, but our minds, what we're thinking about. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. A lot of times we have our focus on the negative. We have our focus on the hardships. We have our focus on the pain. We have our focus on the suffering. We have our focus on the terrible things that are going on around the planet. When we need to be focusing on these things he just pointed out. In verse 9, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul gave a good example. The hardships that he went through, the persecutions, the challenges, and so forth. He's always kept his eyes on the Lord. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therefore to be content. Whatsoever state he was in, being tortured, being stoned, being whipped, being abused, shipwrecked, all kinds of terrible things come upon him. He got snake bit at the edge of the fire there after the shipwreck. He just cast it off, didn't worry about it. It was a poisonous snake, but it didn't affect him. He had his eyes on the Lord. Read verse 11 again. Not that I speak in respect of want, like it isn't that I want something that y'all lacked opportunity to pray for me about. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Are we content with what we have now? It says we should be. 
Because I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. See, that's the key. If we are tied in with the Lord, if we have the right kind of relationship, then we can have that peace, we can have that joyfulness, we can be content. 1 Thessalonians, similar teachings to the church at Thessalonica from Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Not rejoice when everything's going exactly like you want it to. Yes, rejoice then, but also rejoice when it's not going like it should or like you want it to. It may be going exactly like it should. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. That is one of the key verses, a short verse, three words. Pray without ceasing. Always communicating with the Lord. Constant communication with the Lord. That's the key. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thank you, Lord. Even when you go fall down the stairs and break your leg. Thank you, Lord. I didn't break my neck. Simple as that. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. The way we quench the Spirit is that we ignore Him. We ignore that tied-in relationship that we can have. He's always right there with us. We need to stay in tune, stay listening up to Him. Stay in the will of the Lord and you won't quench the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prophecies of the hardships that we are going to suffer because we are Christians and other such prophecies. Prove all things. That means test it. Find it out. Consider the source. Where did it come from? Hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. See, the world would have you to be worldly. Way too many churches have become worldly in order to appeal to the world. We're not supposed to do such things. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Sanctify you holy. That means He has applied a special place for you, a special purpose, a special task for you to achieve. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He that called, calleth you who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. As he signs off there. Let us know. When we learn something, when we have found something, when we have been given the revelation of the truth of the Word of God, then we need to share it with the others. Share with the other Christians. Always be willing to share the blessings that the Lord has given us. They are blessings. They are by grace. Don't ever think that you received a blessing because you earned it. Always be thankful that it is a blessing by grace. Because we could live a thousand lifetimes over and over and never, ever 
reach a point where we deserve salvation itself. And He don't force us to be saved. He gives us an opportunity of salvation. He gives us a chance to be able to ask and receive. Because He told us, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So whatever we want, we need to ask for it. He wants us to ask for it. He wants us to always be thankful. In 1 John chapter 5, the small epistle, in verse 11, And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. These things, the Word of God, preserved for us to study. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that, he have, that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. When we have the right kind of relationship, we have that confidence that whatsoever we ask, He's going to do for us. Let's get that by loving the Lord with all of our existence and to love others as ourselves. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for the many blessings you pour upon us. We thank you for the opportunity to be one of your family. We thank you for the opportunity to come to you and ask for things that you then will give us. Help us all to realize the importance of getting ourselves right so that we can receive the things we ask. Help us share that with others as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Good, please.